this is the Film Drunk Frockcast coming at you not live from the Frock Quarters in San Francisco. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a departure this week. I couldn't get the, the regular Frock crew to see Fate of the Furious in time for the show, and I wanted to talk about it before it was too old. But I did get esteemed Fast and Furious expert, Mr. Brian Grubb. Hello. Uh, formerly Danger Guerrero and Vanity Fair's uh, Joanna Robinson. Hello, of no, of zero expert level. Well, I mean, like, like medium. I, you can you can declare a level of expertise. Uh, I mean, I've seen them. That counts. All of them. That counts for something, right? That would be. I think that that, that would be. That's all you eight. need to be an expert. Yeah. Okay, then I am an expert as well. <laughs> yes, uh, this is not like a Game of Thrones situation where there's extra reading to be done. You just need to. <laughs> Watch a car fly through the air for a little bit, and you're an expert already. Oh, buddy, I've sure done that, so I'm ready. There's a lot of subtext. There's a lot of ins, a lot of outs, what have you, to the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, I was about to call you guys friends of the Frogcast, but as we all know, this Frogcast doesn't have friends. It has family, and uh, that's what I'm going to call you. Um, should I have, should I be drinking a Corona while we're recording this? Yeah, well, you can either you can drink a Corona, but mainly just find find your beach. Like you don't have to, <laughs> you have to find your beach somehow. Like you know how Brian O'Connor found his beach, like when he was driving off into the sunset. Just do like that. All right. Um, yeah, I won't. I won't exactly mimic Brian's uh, technique of beach finding, but I'll, I'll find my own beach. I mean, sure. sort like except for the end part. Like everything. Like like him in the flashback. That's what you should do. Okay, perfect. Um, so, I'll, I'll just crack a Corona. It's, that sounds simpler. Yeah. <laughs> Either or. So a lot of people keep asking me about when uh, Brett's going to be back on the Frogcast, and uh, I don't know when, but I, he he has provided me uh, with some bullet points. So I'm sort of using uh, Brett as like a producer at this point, and. Uh, I, we were texting, and, and this wasn't actually about Fate of the Furious, but I thought this was very apt to what I thought of the movie. Uh, and he, he just texted me, I'm all for the socialisms, but I don't actually believe most people want freedom or fulfillment. Most people want to die barfing from eating a thousand Doritos Locos Snickers ice cream tacos while jerking off to a giant bug zapper that says tits. And uh, I feel like that's, that sort of sums up my review of uh, Fate of the Furious. I don't know what you guys think of that. <laughs> It was a lot. The movie was a lot. I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like it was trying, like, they're like, damn it, we don't have Paul Walker in this one, so let's just cram as much other things as we can to try to distract them from the absence of Paul Walker? I think that's part of it. I, f- I also feel like, well, for me, like, I, I was never a huge fan of this franchise until the last movie, and then the last movie was just so, like, the more ridiculous it, they made it, it seemed like the better it got. And then I think they finally reached like a point of diminishing returns where it was like so ridiculous and they had to bring back like every character to the point where there was just like, there's no space. It was kind of like a, a pixie song with no soft parts, you know, it was just like they tried to make the whole thing out of like <laughs> shred and guitar solo. So it was just like two and a half hours of screeching metal. And after a while I was like, all right, I'm so exhausted watching this. There's a lot of mouths to feed in this one because you got to give... You got to give Vin Diesel his emotional part, apparently, where a single <laughs> tear falls down his cheek as he's looking at his, his as yet unknown son. You've got to give The Rock a bunch of scenes where he does rock things. You've got to give Statham a bunch of scenes where he apparently 
morphs his character from Furious 7 with his character from Spy and becomes kind of like a <laughs> tongue-in-cheek, baby-holding, karate-kicking, evil cyber-terror villain. And then you've also got to let Tyrese and Ludacris make fun of each other. Mm-hmm. And you've got, like, there's just, there's so much going on. There's and I guess, I guess we have Oscar winner Charlize Theron in a, in a villain role, but uh, we're not really sure what to do with her at all. So that's fine. No, no, but she'll be back because she jumped out that airplane, baby. Sure did. Oh, man. She's safe. I, I want to like I want to agree with you about what they did with Statham's character, and even though I agree with every single thing you said, I am so delighted that apparently like the writers or producers or whatever watched Spy and were like, "Oh, we we, we were using Statham wrong. This is how you use Statham. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll do that instead." And I I love Statham in this movie. Like all the complaints about you know why would Toretto's gang embrace him if he's responsible for the death of Han? I was like, I actually don't care. Yeah, like, no, I definitely was, don't care. That's the thing about the Fast and Furious franchise. Like, all the complaints that people have about this movie that, like, it's lost its soul, it's lost its direction, blah, blah, blah. I was like, really? Is that what you're watching the Fast and Furious franchise for? For its soul? Or direction? Or what have you? Like, I thought we were watching it for, like, the fact that it's basically a Looney Tunes cartoon. Also. And, um, you know. Yeah, and also, I think, like, when when everybody becomes friends, that is 100% on brand for the Fast and Furious franchise. Like this is a movie, it started out as a Point Break ripoff, but like in Point Break, the thing about Bodie is like when he says all that stuff, he's kind of full of shit and like they actually have to like Keanu has to make a difficult choice at the end. Like the whole point of Fast and the Furious is that Bodie was just right all along. Like Vin Diesel, like maybe you should live your life a quarter mile of the time. Like they basically become friends at the end, and that's like that's where the franchise started. So the fact that like every bad guy eventually uh, just decides that they're in love with Vin Diesel is a hundred percent on brand. Well, and there's also like you, there's a point where questioning the logic of these movies, you just start sounding like a crazy person because you're like, like he wouldn't be friends with them. Like, okay, that's your problem with the movie? Yeah. yeah, that's my problem with the movie. So you're okay with the thing where a nuclear submarine blew up on a sheet of ice and all these cars just magically stayed supported by the ice and protected Vin Diesel by parking around him? That that you're fine with? The science part you're good with? But, like, they you forgot be about the, you, you forgot about the magic family. It was the circle of cars, but also the magical shield of family that kept those cars afloat on that ice. But yeah, exactly. Like nitpicking the Fast and Furious franchise is an insane thing to do. Like even the one that I, I think the one everyone likes the best is Fast Five, right? And I recently That's my favorite, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, except for except for Vince, but everyone else in the world likes Fast Five the best. And like the. I rewatched that recently and like the bridge scene where, you know, Dom kills about a thousand cops <laughs> with that mm-hmm. safe that he's dragging. And like, there's a throwaway line about how all the cops who were chasing them are bad guys. And I'm like, your hero just killed like so many cops <laughs> and, and we're still rooting for him. And that's just what you have to like. I'm not usually a fan of like, turn your brain off. It's just a movie. But with this franchise, like turn your brain off. It's just a movie, you know? That is a big departure. I feel like the first one, one of their things was uh, it was kind of anti-gun. Like, they're into the cars and not the gun. And then now, everyone's just, like, blowing people's heads off, like, ducking under tables. And the, yeah. There's a lot of shooting now. Yeah, I still think it's hilarious that, like, they get to the end of Fast Five. And they, yes, the cops are bad guys. But that safe took out, like, massive storefronts. Just ripped through anything (laughs) glass and, like, did 
millions of dollars of like infrastructure damage to the roads in Rio, and they get to the end of the rock. The American guy is like, Rip washes his hands. He's like, you're free. You're like, no, wait, they still are on the hook for millions of dollars of property damage in Rio. No, the rock has the rock has jurisdiction to wipe those away too. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a license to kill and a license to drag safes. All right, how about this? Uh, why do we still need Ludacris and uh, and Tyrese? Like for for me at this point, like the only added value that Tyrese is providing is when he shows up somewhere in like an idiotic outfit and then he has to apologize for some dumb thing he said on said on social media. Like that's the best thing that I get out of Tyrese because like <laughs> as far as the movies go, like please just like them yelling at each other when they're driving over Arctic ice. It's like you're ruining this stunt for me right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they 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 came in. Uh, kind of to be the comic relief or whatever, but I don't know these movies. I I would keep Ludacris because <laughs> I like the fact that Ludacris's character has evolved from a guy who officiated a jet ski race with a bullhorn <laughs> to someone who works hand in hand with the nation's greatest cyber hackers. But yeah, I don't, I don't think Tyrese brings much. Speaking of officiating yeah, I- races. Um, how about the, uh, how about the, like the street race judge? How do they always find, a girl where there's like she's got a really short skirt and and it's kind of like she it's a skirt but then they put the camera like underneath and you're like how much how is this is that a normal thing for street races is that is that just part of the culture i've never oh, been that- to a street race but I'm, I'm assuming that once you declare a street race uh someone needs to come do that or else someone has to, someone has to have a thong otherwise you can't have a street race I mean, I don't know about, well, first of all, I don't think they put them in a thong. They put them in, like, dance pants. It's like a short skirt and dance pants. So, like, it's modest but immodest at the same time. I'm pretty um, sure this one was a full-on thong, though, wasn't it? I'm was almost, it? Almost okay, positive. I'm not, I'm not going to I'm not gonna argue upskirt shots with you, but... Um, <laughs> you never argue about butts with Vince. That's right. <laughs> but um, the... the um, I will say that the... I would say the most classic... Uh, you know, street race of all time. Well, two two classic street races are Rebel Without a Cause in Greece. Neither <laughs> of those have an upskirt up up shot. You need a neckerchief to wave. Right. You need to untie your neckerchief to wave it to start the race. But I don't. I think the upskirt is is Fast Furious branded. Maybe and they should just like, take the skirt off and wave that, and then you don't have to. I, they don't have to low, do the low angle. I agree. It's like it's two birds with one stone. Right. Um, I think both, um, I think it was like what Bloomberg and um, Slash Film both did like metric breakdowns of the entire Fast and Furious franchise before this particular movie came out. You know, like how many sips of Coronas, how many blah, blah, blah. And I can't remember if they had upskirt shot uh, metrics, but they definitely should have. That is a Fast and Furious staple. You have to have it. I was a big fan of the opening of the movie because I loved it. I wrote this in my in my thing after I saw the movie, but within like five minutes, Letty's holding up a canister and announcing, "This is Cuban Nas," <laughs> which is a great line. I and think- then, like like ten minutes later, there's Vin Diesel is winning a street race, traveling in a car that is stripped down, going in reverse, and on fire. Yeah, and I mean, if, if that if that doesn't sum up the, the state of the Fast and the Furious franchise right now, I'm not sure what does. It's, I mean, it started with a bang. We can definitely say that. Also, yes. it, it also started with Vin, with Dom Toretto being, uh, you know, the world's best dude. Like he, he won the street race. He gave the guy his car back. Uh, everyone, he put on a show for all the Cubans. Like, is there a better he gave guy? The nephew, the nice car. Yeah. 
I mean, he could have yeah. just done that to begin with, but then he wouldn't have given the whole island a show like that. Here's my question. When you guys watch this movie, do you actually ever call the characters by their real names? No. Or do you just say, like, The Rock did this thing, Jason Statham did this thing? I found that when I was writing about it where I, at one point, I referred to someone by the character's name, and I was like, I realized, like, 700 words in, that was the first time I had done it. It seems <laughs> wrong. It seems wrong. Well, also, I mean, this this seemed like The Rock was playing 2004 The Rock from the wrestling. That was mm-hmm. his... That was his I mean, he, like, was... First of all, he's he like the, the haka or like. <laughs> well, the haka was awesome. I appreciated that a lot. Yes, but the part where he's just like doing uh, wrestling one-liners, like "I'm gonna knock your teeth so far down your throat, you'll have to shove a toothbrush up your ass to brush your teeth," and and then and then they like high five and bro out. Like that seemed like something he would say before a wrestling match, and most of his lines did. Yeah, he, yeah. he's also full on the Hulk now. Mm-hmm. Like. He and when they introduced him at Fast Five, he was like he's still a big, strong dude with like neck muscles the size of my leg. But at this point, I mean, they're shooting rubber bullets at him, and he's just smiling. He's like ripping chain, like prison chains off of himself. Well, he can and literally it, break handcuffs if you make him angry enough. That was the message yeah. there. Yeah, we're like we're like one or two movies away from him just picking up a car and throwing it at someone. So my question, I have a, co- I have a controversial opinion, really quickly, which Go is ahead. that. I think The Rock has like too many muscles at this point. <laughs> I want ten percent fewer muscles on The Rock. That's all. I think I'm not a, sure where they all come from. <laughs> I think I have He's an got idea. Muscles I, I I've never seen. So yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, I think at a certain age, when you're like a big muscular dude, there's really you can't backslide because like your skin oh, right. your skin loses a little bit of elasticity as oh, you get older and i think yeah. you just have to get you have to keep getting more and more jacked otherwise you sort of start to look the same but like slightly deflated you get that like old man ripped look where your muscles aren't defined they just keep going out yeah. until you start looking like a keg <laughs> yeah the Sch- the Schwarzenegger and Stallone sort of situation like you kind of start, you kind of start looking like a bag of laundry a little bit yeah Stallone has that, uh, you know, throw the word alleged in there, but he, he has some alleged help in making those muscles, which you may have noticed in any recent Rocky movie where his veins look like a, like a topographical map. I oh, respect God. Stallone because he's the only one who admits it, and there is, zero, there is 0.0% chance that The Rock is not uh, on some sort of anabolic substance. I'm just saying, putting that out there, but there's no way. He's he's gigantic. He's like a 280-pound dude who's pure muscle. Like I guarantee that most of the most of the guys that are uh, doing some action movie where they suddenly put on like 40 pounds of muscle, that doesn't just happen. Can you can't do the GNC. No, I mean you can, but like you're taking the GNC things that have secret anabolic stuff in them. I have a question for you. So like. Um... Since, as a lot of people pointed out, the the sort of onset feud between The Rock and Vin Diesel means that they basically didn't shoot any scenes together in this movie, um, which actually didn't bother me at all in any way. But um, and it seems like maybe they're priming the pumps for a Vin, uh, a Rock Statham spinoff. Like, how would you feel about a Rock Statham spinoff of the I'm, Fast Furious? I mean, I feel a lot better about that than people saying that Scott Eastwood is going to be the new Paul Walker. Although he is uh, almost as attractive and an even worse actor, so, the, so that part's on brand. But like, 
but they definitely didn't do a good job of making me care about that character. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I liked what they did because I, when they cast Scott Eastwood, I was like, God, this douche, are you kidding me? And then that's what they lean into. They're like, hey, guess what? We cast a douche. We're just going to make fun of what a douche is the entire movie. They lampshaded that casting, and I really appreciated it. So, yeah, But like, true. if they then embrace him into the family and try to normalize him, I'm not there for that. But if they just make fun of him for the rest of the franchise, I'm, I'm into it. So, He will yeah. definitely be. I mean, Charlize Theron will be in the family by the end of the next movie, too. She'll be made on the grill. That's just what happens. Every every character ends up at the barbecue eventually. I, I, She'll be married to Statham, and like Helen Mirren will be her mother-in-law, and that's what we'll have to deal with. Yep. No, I'm I'm here for the Statham Rock spinoff. I I uh, I love Statham. I love The Rock, and in hindsight, it makes so much sense that they'd be good on screen together. And then I saw them on screen together, and I was like, yeah, yeah, this is good. This is the best part of the movie. Why don't we just keep it and stick with them? Easily. That's what I'm saying. Like, spin yeah. it off, and, like, I will watch those movies. I will probably repeat watch those movies, whereas I will watch every Fast and Furious movie. But, like, if you just give me the best of it in its own movie, like, I would be even more excited. I'm not sure who they could take with them. Like, maybe Natalie Emanuel from Game of Thrones could go mm-hmm, with them. Mm-hmm. But, the you know, nice. the movie hasn't... She's nice. She the movie to... hasn't like figured out what to do with her, but you know, she seems nice. So. Well, they need to drop I... Ludacris. And, well, here's the thing. So I hate playing uh, fantasy studio exec because it just makes me feel like I'm 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 really sucking on the the capitalism gruel. But uh, if I were to, I would say that definitely we need a spinoff of this franchise because it's too crowded, and and I don't I don't need to be uh, sidetracked by by Tedge and Roman making fun of each other in the next one. I could do without that. I feel like we could lose them, no problem, and then maybe keep Natalie Emanuel. That'd be great. I would be perfectly happy if The Rock and Statham just spun it off into a Netflix series where they're cops in Miami. Same characters, everything about them, except now they're, they're like detectives. They would they're make, just detectives in Miami. I think they would make a really good uh, team up for, uh, uh, what's his name from the Nice Guys, a Shane Black movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd love it. Yes. You could have Statham doing the Gosling thing, and you could have The Rock (laughs) doing the Russell Crowe thing. I'm down. Yeah, you you picked that perfectly, because The Rock can only Hulk, whereas Statham could do the, like, nimble physical comedy that Ryan Gosling does in The Nice Guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Statham's brand of of dancey kick-fighting I've never seen a single Transporter movie, but now I'm regretting that decision, because that prison break, like, sequence i was like oh this this is what i've been missing i thought it was I've only that, added... that they, didn't, they didn't like differentiate them all like at first i was like oh cool like the rock super strong jason statham can do parkour like they team up you know uh ebony and ivory but no like actually the rock is strong and he can do parkour and jason statham <laughs> is maybe not quite he maybe he's not like ripping off handcuffs like the rock but he can just toss a henchman like 10 feet if he wants to yeah those yeah, henchmen they had a rough go of it, man, because there were multiple scenes where one henchman got thrown into another one, and that's a hard one to explain. If they, if you're looking at the prison tapes, you know later, like what happened here? It well, was- you know, I did my best. I gave him a good run. Be like, no, we just saw him throw you into into, into Carl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was oh, very close to that scene in The Matrix Reloaded where like he's using one Agent Smith to like beat a ten Agent Smiths. Like that's uh-huh. basically what The Rock was doing to bad guys. Um, I have a question. Would you? What's better, the Tom Cruise Mission Impossible pr- uh, prison break scene or this prison break scene? 
Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess I'll go with this one. It's just straight action wise. Okay. Yeah, this one. This one was just. It's a brawl, uh, really more. Well, yeah, and this one had parkour statham, which yeah. <laughs> Mission Impossible didn't have. I don't know. I mean, if you put parkour statham into the Mission Impossible one, then I think it's a fair fight. Yeah, so, I feel really bad calling it dancey, kicky fighting when I definitely did know the word parkour earlier, um, and now it se- sounds like I didn't. Well, um, <laughs> there was a, there was that. There was also breakdance fighting. Um, see, like there's so many creative stunts in this. Like the whole the whole um, nuclear sub thing for as ridiculous as it was, I thought that was that was just great and uh, and super creative. But then they also had a bunch of a bunch of stuff that was felt like it was ripped off from movies that weren't even that didn't even come out that long ago. I mean, the whole holding a baby during a gunfight, like they already did that in Shoot 'Em Up, like as a joke. But I think that's funny because like our our brains are geared in a certain way to action movie wish fulfillment, and it sort of only goes in one place, which is that kill more people and be more kind to babies. And so they both just ended up there. And then also. Uh, and uh, what's her name? Charlize Theron. Her whole styling thing was just Angelina Jolie in Gone in sixty seconds, which is really weird that, that they just left those things in there. I don't know. It didn't make any sense. Oh, it was a thousand percent Angelina Jolie in Gone in sixty seconds, and I was like, you can't do that, especially because that's another car stealing movie. Like that's that's no. Like when that, Gone that in sixty seconds, so when Gone in sixty seconds came out, it was like almost at the same time as the Fast and the Furious, and like you were kind of into one or the other, and then they just, I don't know, it felt it, it, it was. Well, I, I I can't believe that they would forget that. It seemed almost like a power move. Like we're gonna rip this off, and and we're gonna prove that no one even remembers that movie. Yeah, my theory about it is like the Fast and the Furious. It since about the fourth one has just been this massive snowball barreling down the hill, right? So it's picking up more action stars. And it's picking up bigger action scenes, and it's picking up bigger explosions. It's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And at some point, I think it's just gotten so big now that it's out of control that it's just like picking up things from other movies <laughs> yeah. and anything else it wants on its way down the hill. It, it can't be stopped at this point. It's got zombie yeah. cars. Yeah, it's got. It's just gonna <laughs> what? car waterfalls. <laughs> I have another. I, I am just full of questions, but I have another question for you guys, which is that. Um, you know, in a franchise where someone has come back from the dead, Michelle Rodriguez, and then you have them like you have these characters defying gravity um, in order to like jump out of planes or jump across things or whatever. What is the difference at this point between Fast and Furious and like any superhero movie? What is the difference? Um, yeah. No portal. I feel like that's the only difference. <laughs> Faster cars. Faster cars. Because, I mean, right? They're basically, like, they've basically made a superhero franchise without calling it a superhero franchise. Yeah, I mean, like, in the in the past, there may have been some danger of someone dying. But in, in this one, it was like, they're just, they're cracking jokes, like, in a hail of bullets. And you know no one's going to die. Well, well you know. who died was Elena. And, and that was off screen. So we don't even know if that happened for real. Yeah. I'm still not fully convinced Han is dead. And we saw him die three <laughs> separate times in three different movies. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure one day they're just going to like be on a boat in Ibiza and Han's going to be on a yacht and end up being evil. And he'll be like, it was all part of my plan. <laughs> yeah. I, re- I really want like Han's evil twin because I really want that guy to come back. Yeah, he was but, so great. Like, I'm not like, and, 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 you know, 
they've admitted themselves, I think, that it was a big mistake to kill off Han and Giselle. Like, even though they sort of backed, they backed themselves into a corner, but, like, they brought Michelle Rodriguez back from the dead. So, like, not really. I, I feel like there are no narrative corners in the Fast and Furious right. franchise. You just smash and them. You so- literally just smash them with a sledgehammer. That's how you, that's how you <laughs> fix it. There's a tombstone. Exactly. Oh, Vin Diesel smashed it with a sledgehammer. She's not dead anymore, bro. <laughs> it is amazing to me that, like, one of our, it's like a, a big, dumb action franchise. And I say that with more love than, than you could possibly imagine. But I do love that this franchise, of all franchises, has asked its audience to accept that just the chronology is a disaster. And the chronology is such a disaster that Vin Diesel actually made a short film on his own, co-wrote it, co-directed it, (laughs) called Los Bandoleros, Uh that that explains to you what happened to his character between the first and the fourth movie. No, I did not know this existed. (laughs) Uh, You have to watch Los Bandoleros. And yeah. it, it, but if you if you follow the chronology like exactly, it goes like one, two. Now I'm gonna forget. It's like one, two, Los Bandoleros, four, five, six, three, seven, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Which is insane. I mean, there's. Yep. You, if you have to like, go on daily, you have to go on daily motion to watch a 20 minute video Vin Diesel made with his own money. To understand what's happening in a billion-dollar action franchise. I mean, that's just you're doing calculus that the move that the movie writers never did. I mean, good, yeah, good no. on the internet for doing that. But there's no way the writers were thinking about good that. Good on Vin Diesel for doing that. Vin <laughs> yeah. Diesel's like, you know what? Let me make my like explainer video, my how it should have ended video on yeah. my own. Vin Diesel um, watched Too Fast to Furious in Tokyo Drift and said, "But what about Dominic Toretto?" <laughs> <laughs> It's like those videos that that Taika Waititi did about like what was Thor up to during um, you know Civil War. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna downgrade my my level of expertise to medium <laughs> since I haven't seen those Bandoleros. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna I'm gonna go back to a, a Brett supplied bullet point here. Uh, this bullet point he has titled um, "Prattle for the Planet of the Self Apes," uh, alternately through the looking ass darkly. Uh, and the question is, what happens when a movie becomes so self-reflective that it stops being a movie? Uh, and superhero movies that are either a two-hour roll call of characters uh, or extended trailers for the abstract notion of the thing. Um, like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what Fast and Furious could do at this point to lose me. You know, because like, it's just not my genre at all. And yet I'm still all in for it. And this particular film lost a lot of people who have been all in on the franchise and I'm still here. So what could they possibly do to upset me? Maybe if like Vin Diesel, who's, who's like a, you know, who's a producer, right? If he lets his like shit about the rock get too big, um, and somehow pushes the rock or or the rock and Statham or whatever out of the franchise so that he can like hold the spotlight tighter, that might lose me because yeah it, it's hard know. to pun- it's hard to punish a film because a lot of times what what ends up losing you in a franchise is be like that was kind of dumb. But the thing is there's almost nothing that could happen in these movies at this point where I would say like some of the actresses of this were a little a little too much. But not too much where I'm like upset about it. They were very cool in a theater in IMAX with the volume blasting. I, I wonder how much I would like this as like a rewatchable thing. Furious Seven and Fast Five 
are really the only two that I can consistently, if they're on cable, I can watch them on my little television in my apartment. Mm -hmm. The other ones, I have a real, like six, I, I liked six in the theater, but it just, you know, I don't, if it's on at my house, I really don't have much of an interest in it. So my question about the Vin Diesel thing is, uh, did he pull a Will Smith on this? Like, are all the scenes where uh, Vin Diesel is the greatest, like, are all the scenes where Dom Toretto is like the greatest guy in the world, is that influenced by what Vin Diesel thinks his character is? Because it's sort of, it's starting to feel like that, where he sort of will only be uh, a part of this franchise insofar as uh, like Dom is the main character and sort of the best dude ever. Oh, yeah. Dom is yeah. basically like car thief Jesus. <laughs> I definitely think there's like some part of Vin Diesel's brain where that's like the church of Dom. Like he's sort of, he's like thinking like, what would Dom do? And, uh, oh yes. no, this isn't like, this isn't on brand for Dom or kind of like, what would Dom do? What would Jesus do kind of thing? Oh my God. The gospel of Dom. I love it. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's, that's backed up by that opening, you know, Cuban mile car chase interaction that pays off at the end because that guy then goes and helps them out. And so like the gospel of Dom is like, see, be the guy in a street race and then let him keep his car and he'll scratch your back later when you need it. You know, like that's the really, the really concise, eloquent gospel of Dom. So, um, my, yeah. My favorite Vin Diesel stuff is whenever one of these new ones comes out, he will look into the camera with like, the most earnest expression and say like, <laughs> I think this movie will win an Oscar. Yeah. I think this, yeah, like, he really, he's, he is a true believer in all of this to a degree that I'm not sure is healthy, he but it works for me. Like it's a shark toy. Well, I think for the last one, he was like, this will win an Oscar for screenwriting. Right. Didn't he say that? <laughs> something like that. And I think yeah. this time he might want to argue like for acting for himself. Cause like, I feel like you're right. Uh, both of you are right. That like, you know, he was like, you gotta give me something really emotional. Give me a son. Give me a son, and let me let me cry, and let me do the whole thing. Let me punch the glass. I, I can do it, guys. The you thing is, yeah. it's strange to me to remember that I've seen movies where Vin Diesel arguably does a pretty decent acting job in, and then you watch Fast and the Furious, and you're like, how did how is that the same person? Like, did he did this franchise uh, erode his acting ability? Or is he so far into character as Dom <laughs> that he's making himself act badly? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that might be it. I love it. Because Dom, Dom's just such like a muscle-bound mumbler. Like when you hear him talk, he still has that voice. But it seems like he speaks more clearly in real life than he does in Fast and Furious. Oh, yeah. Like his Dominic Toretto voice is like, the difference between Bruce Wayne and Batman. No, he talks. Christian Bale. He talks uh, like when he's when he's dumb. It's almost as if he's reading an audiobook with one of him with himself as a character. Like that. Like that's how much he overdoes it. And I also <laughs> I also wonder if part of that is him trying to like match um, match energy with Michelle Rodriguez, who uh, eight movies later her acting somehow gets worse every movie. Yeah, but at the same time. I would never ditch Letty from this franchise. Oh, no. Of course not. She's the it. Like, <laughs> she, like, her line delivery is not my favorite. But, like, every time she, like, looked at Vin Diesel out out of a car window into his car window, <laughs> I, I felt that. I felt those looks. like with, those. Where they're having conversations while driving at 85 miles an hour with the windows up. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those moments. Can we find matter. can we find a more ridiculous place for one of these movies to take place? Because I mean, the whole franchise started as like a Southern California street racing movie, and in Southern California, it makes sense that uh, being really good at driving cars would would help you rob things. Um, but I don't think that really applies to uh, Manhattan or the Arctic ice uh, in Siberia. But like the next, I feel like the next one, they're gonna somehow figure out how to use cars like in an elevator heist. They they've somehow figured out they've done it in a skyscraper in Manhattan and then in on the Arctic. Like where's the next place that they go? It's, it's the space. open seas. Not whatever everyone's saying space, <laughs> yes. right? <laughs> I like space. I like the Space open seas. The open seas. Yeah, I like the open <laughs> seas. That, that would remind reminds me of the Point Break remake where they're doing where they're skating on top of the skate ramp, like in the in the waves. Like I think there's there's got to be like a Fast and Furious equivalent of that. Speedboats with Nas. Or I guess that would be the Triple X movie where he's riding the motorcycle through the ocean. True. Yeah, they kind of blend together. I wonder if the people in the Fast and Furious were like, Ben, you're using all our good ideas. Did you see that one, by the way? I miss, I, I was Triple gone. X. Yeah, and I, and I didn't get to see it. I didn't see it in the theater. I'll definitely watch it when it's on cable someday. It, it yeah, seems, have, like, oh. it seems like a very much like Saturday morning at 10 o'clock on FX type of movie for me. I don't know why you say um, that about that one, but not about the Fast and the Furious. Oh, the Fast and Furious are definitely those too. But they're like bigger and like there's more to them the the triple x ones I, you know they're, they're fine i have an idea and i think the rock uh, i think vin diesel will back me up on this there should be a triple x fast and furious crossover <laughs> where vin plays both characters same time <laughs> as, as twins <laughs> Yeah, or they don't even, they just don't even mention it. They don't even mention that they look the same. Yeah, I like that too. One of them has tattoos. Yeah, and they just fully have scenes together. And then maybe like, and then when when they take both of those franchises to space, then we like get the Pitch Black franchise in there. I'm just saying like, eventually I want like fast, like five Vins all at once. (laughs) And, And all of the Vins refuse to admit they look alike, but all the rest of the cast is like, you guys know, like that, What's going on? Right, exactly. I feel like yeah. that that acting would be right in Tyrese's wheelhouse. Is like him just being mystified by something and being like, "Come on, come on!" <laughs> You're right. That's why we keep Tyrese. We keep Tyrese for the eventual movie where there are five Vin Diesels. It's like being John Malkovich, but it's all Vin Diesel, <laughs> and like, you know, like it'll make a mil- a mint a mint. Yes, Tyrese. Tyrese will speak for all of us. He'll be the Greek chorus of the film. Saying like, what's going on? <laughs> and then, then ludicrous because they can never agree. He'll have to argue that they all look the same. Yeah, I feel like I have a. There should be a name for that type of character because they exist in a lot of actor, act, or a lot of uh, action movies. And uh, I feel like the uh, archetypal example is uh, is Ice Cube in in Anaconda, where he's like, they got snakes out there this big. So I feel like that's the. <laughs> Just, There's always like a big snakes nature. out there. This big character in these like heist movies. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, another another bullet point from Brett. Uh, this bullet point is called uh, a legacy of dunces, and I think it's I think it's Brian O'Connor based. Um, and the question is, if you had to pick a fandom to be R.I.P.ed by, but for all eternity, which would it be? You aren't allowed to say Juggalo. Is having your memory attached to a, a brand slash genre something anyone would want? 
Oh, okay. So like forever. Like you whenever have, someone like you're talking you, about like Carrie Fisher in Star Wars and Paul Walker and Fast and Furious. Yeah, you're gonna Those be you're gonna okay. be celebrated. Like your memory is going to be celebrated by a brand uh, for all eternity. Um, you know what, what? What do you want it to be? He, he lists the possibilities as Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, uh, My Little Pony, Marvel, Lord of the Rings, etc. Oh, for sure. You know what I want it to be? I want it to be the the furries, and <laughs> I want it to be the thing that brings. I don't know if you guys re- guys read this expose on the the Daily Beast about the Nazis that are invading the fear the furry oh, community. I have it in my I have it in my to read list, but I haven't gotten yeah, there yet. Too. It's amazing. And so what I'm saying is, like, if my death can bring the fractured furry community back together again, <laughs> uh, it will have been worth it. So that would be mine. I like oh, that. I don't know if I could top furries. That's that's a good one. I mean. That's, that's what she said. Um, yeah. I, do, I, like the, I like the CSI franchise. Just because, yeah. I mean, because that's never going to, that's never going to go away. And everybody's. There's there must be a lot of undercover CSI fans out there, but just because there's one in every city, and I don't think I've ever like met anyone that watches those shows, but they're out there somewhere, and I think that would just be it would be nice to be that kind of mystery. I like it. Like I would be the silent majority of people that watch bad TV. <laughs> what about the brownies? I would like to somehow be the Wu Tang Clan, even though I don't think that's possible in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, like I would, I would like it to be like me and Old Dirty Bastard as the two people whose legacies are always remembered by the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> but do you? I, love I think it. it would be hilarious because it would be like you've got Old Dirty Bastard, and then you've got like a thirty-five-year-old white guy in the wheelchair. Those are the two <laughs> who are always remembered by the by the Wu Tang Clan. I like that. Hey, I, I wrote about this in a thing a while back. Are you guys aware of the titles of the Fast and Furious movies in Japan? Oh, I, no. I know about Wild Speed Megamax. What? Yes. Okay. This is my favorite part of the franchise by far. <laughs> so in Japan, the Fast and Furious uh, franchise is known as Wild Speed. So <laughs> it's Wild Speed instead of Fast and Furious. Uh-huh. So the first one is Wild Speed. The second one is Wild Speed X2. The third one is Wild <laughs> Speed X3 Tokyo Drift. Which makes sense. I'm with them. Right, right. The with fourth, so far. fourth one, fourth one, Wild Speed Max. Mm-hmm. They ask yeah. you some, where do you go from Wild Speed Max? Super Wild Max? Speed Megamax. Megamax. Wild, Wild Speed Megamax. Okay. Then after that, you got Wild Speed Euro Mission, because they're in Europe. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got Wild Speed Sky Mission, because they're parachuting yes. cars out of airplanes. Okay, and that's, and then that's this, seven? The eighth one, which is probably my favorite one so far, is Wild Speed Icebreak. Oh, yes! I mean, that's on These the nose, great. but really, really, so, really they're, good. They're so much better than the American titles because the American titles are all over the map. So that that feeds into another Brett bullet point, which is uh, uh, sen- sense and sensibility. But there's a 10. It's S tense and S tensibility, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, I mean, how if, if we could sequelize some other franchise with numbers the way we do with F8, like how, how would we do that? Oh, I think it's one fine day. I think is what I think they should do next. I'm sorry, is that your question? <laughs> you mean you mean Fast and the Furious one fine day? Yeah, or nine. I like fine nine. <laughs> I don't know. 
I like where the, oh yeah, one fine. Okay. All right. I see where you're going with that. I mean, I just like, wish that after Too Fast, Too Furious, that they just had gone three fast, three furious, four fast, four furious, five fast, five furious. I like how erratic it is. Like, it's just like, that's, and it's, and it's like a special skill to remember all, you know, if you're like, okay, it's fast five, it's furious six, it's, um, oh no, it's furious seven. That's, that's the whole thing. What is, what is six? It's fast, fast and furious six. They went back to, and oh, it's, yeah. it's, 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 but they dropped the articles, right? They dropped the yeah, it's especially confusing because of the chronology thing. So when you try to explain it to people using the full movie titles, you sound like a lunatic. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't you can't just be like you've essentially gotta say like one, two, blah, blah, blah. Because if you try because my cable guide even gets confused between the first one being called The Fast and the Furious and the fourth one being called Fast and Furious. It's just yeah. nonsense. I don't know why you would do that. I kind of love it. You know what franchise does this uh, terribly is uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, where it's you got like dead man's chest and like dead man tell no t- like there's at On least Stranger Ties. And- <laughs> yeah, just, just put numbers the in there. Well, well, yeah. Okay, so on the one hand, I do miss that, like that. It, I really don't like the colon and then whatever comes after it, like which is the trend now. I did prefer when it was like Back to the Future One, Back to the Future Two, Back yeah. to the Future Three. It's not like yeah. Back to the Future Wild Wild West or like whatever. Um, but um, that being said, Indiana Jones, you know Raiders, you know Temple, like mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. you know or Star but that's, Wars. But I would like, argue, I would argue that is not a colon title. That is an and the. An and the oh, works a lot and better than a, a colon. Like and the is classic. Unless it's Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, right. then we have a problem. But it's right. like okay. Hardy Boys and the Tale of the Brown Dog, you know, like and the right. is pretty solid. What about Star Trek Into Darkness? What about yeah. the I don't I don't It confuses it just confuses me. I mean, I, I would be fine like do the title number colon then fun phrase. But it uh, that could get unwieldy too. But it's just at some point it gets to be, you need like a, a puzzle and like one of those yarn walls to put it together to figure <laughs> out what movie goes where. Yeah. Although I do like as far as post colon titles go, this is something I've said a million times. It's one of my favorite things. The phrase Tokyo Drift <laughs> is great in context, uh-huh. but it is also hilarious if you take that phrase and put it after any movie ever made. Right. That is not a Fast and Furious movie. That's one of my favorite things in the world. That and like Ghost Protocol are the two oh, you can do that. Ghost with any Protocol movie. is strong. Um, uh, my favorite. Of, I, I want to say I didn't talk to you about this, Vince. I just lose track of like when I've deployed this on a podcast before. But my favorite of all time of this sort of particular question is. Um, ooh, I don't remember what the original is called, but it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I do. It's what Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. And my argument is that you can take any of those nouns and put them anywhere in that title, and it still works. Stallion, Spirit of the Cimarron, Cimarron, Spirit of the Stallion. Stallion like of the Spirit. Just, yeah, it's just like endlessly changeable and, and a, just a perfect situation. I think so. some of my favorite my favorite um, examples of titles is like where they wanted to they wanted to have like a, a consistent franchise nomenclature but it was just so bad that they they dropped it which is like uh x-men's origin colon wolverine or uh oh. the twilight saga you know yeah has what? there ever been a movie with two colons in the title 
Because I feel like that that's the next frontier if we haven't done that yet. I feel like some of one of the Divergent movies had that or something. I don't know. Don't they see that seems like a two colon franchise or like the Maze Runner uh, colon Divergent, a story of Twilight. <laughs> I think that, that's if that hasn't happened, that's definitely the next frontier. We're getting there. Um, by the way, I saw the trailer for uh, I think it's called like Everything Everything, and it's like it it feels like a mashup of every one of those uh, like tween girl romance books just like mashed together. There's like a girl and she's uh, and she's sick. And she falls in love with like the neighbor boy, but her mom doesn't let her go outside because she has some sort of mysterious illness uh, where, you know, she has to have, she looks pretty, but she's got to have like the little thing in her, in her nose, uh, like a la Shailene Woodley in the cancer movie. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then, and then the plot becomes like, would you risk dying to go see your boyfriend to have one perfect day with him? And it was like, it seemed, it it was pretty brilliant. I thought as far as that genre goes. (laughs) Um, yeah, I guess that is that is the everything everything of of that genre. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's got it's got everything. It's got death. It's got whatever. What's uh, going to be fun is like fifteen to sixteen years from now, when we can spin off the Fast and Furious movies into one of those with the children that all these characters are having, like a like a Fast Furious babies, like Fast Fast Furious it's young cute. adult. Yeah, like Dom, Dom's kid has terminal cancer and he's in love with Statham's kid or something like that. I don't know. And we'll one of them has out. to win a street race for a heart <laughs> transplant. Oh, but there's only one heart and two people need it. <laughs> so it's like, it's like a, what is that? Oh, the fault in our stars uh, crank. Yeah. yeah exactly that. <laughs> there, there's one heart at the finish line in a cooler. <laughs> Whoever gets there first gets to keep it. The Fault in Our Stars colon crank. <laughs> yeah, or, or the Fault in Our Stars high voltage. Or you, they, yes. both, they need like a, a mechanical heart. Yes. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd uh, watch that movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I'd pay me a lot of money for that concept. Okay, mm-hmm. so the non-movie thing that I'm really enjoying this week, I don't know if you guys are following this, uh, but uh, did you read the Juicero story in uh, in Bloomberg by any chance? Yes, yeah. that's the one. Oh, okay, I think I know you're talking about. Um, so, this, no. so this guy, like Juicero, they'd been selling this machine that they're calling uh, the Keurig for juice, which is basically yes. that they, they sell. Uh, originally, the, the, the juicer cost uh, $700, and you can get... Uh, bags and it, like you have to buy bags of of prepackaged produce from the company, and then your juicer like reads the scanner and then it squeezes the juice from the bags and you get cold pressed juice uh, from the bags. Um, and then and then there's the uh, the third <laughs> the third paragraph of this from the Bloomberg story, which was my favorite part. Uh, but after it's the, where it gets good. But after the product hit the market, some investors were surprised to discover a much cheaper alternative. You can squeeze the juice row bags with your bare hands. <laughs> Two backers said the, <laughs> the final device was bulkier than what was originally pit- pitched, and that they were puzzled to find that customers could achieve similar results without it. Uh, Bloomberg performed its own press test, pitting a juicer machine against the reporter's grip. The experiment found that squeezing the bag yields nearly the same amount of juice just as quickly, and in some cases faster, than using the device. 
My um, favorite part of that story, too, I mean, that's my favorite part of the story. But the next best part of the story is later on where they're like, well, you need the bag or you need the machine because the machine will read the expiration date for you so you know the juice is good. Right, and then, right. like, the last slide of the paragraph is like, the expiration date is printed on the bag. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, this is like, just... That was, that was just a brutal piece of writing right there. And oh, I, yeah. So I much, hold that in high regard. There's so much shade going on in that article that it's beautiful. And I just, I feel like this is the, like, the pinnacle of over-design. Uh, and, I, and I love it. Like, so the idea of cold-pressed juice, I, I don't know if I'm, I think I'm getting this right. But, like, I think the, what the idea of cold-pressed juice is supposed to be is that cold-pressed juices are better than, like, just blended juices because the heat from the engine like destroys a, a, some sort of a nutrient enzyme or something like I, I i can't remember exactly why cold pressed juices are are, are better than non cold pressed juices but i think that's part of the, the idea and so i love that the solution to uh possibly warming your fruit juice up by a few degrees is to buy the juice like prepackaged in like an astronaut bag that <laughs> that your computer reads for you and that this was this was like a huge company like some people invested like hundreds of millions of dollars in this company this is like that whole thing reads word for word like a plot from Silicon Valley, the TV show. <laughs> oh, word absolutely. for word. Like, like when I read that whole thing, I, it's, I mean, I can see it happening. I can uh, see one of the guys like acquiring it, going to work for it. I can see Gavin Belson getting stuck with the, <laughs> stuck with the product somehow. It just, that's, it would definitely, it would definitely be TJ Miller's character's uh, pr project for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here's part. Um, they here's, just have like a warehouse full of these juice bags. Useless yeah. juice bags. Yeah. And uh, then Big Head would figure out how to sell them for a billion dollars. <laughs> because Big Head is the best character on that show. <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, Evans, 50, follows a diet of mostly raw vegan food. Technology was a new thing for him, but he picked it up quickly. He said he spent about three years building a dozen prototypes before devising Juicero's patent pending press. In an interview with technology website Recode, he likened his work to the invention of a mainstream personal computer by Apple's Steve Jobs. Quote, sure. There... <laughs> sure, sure. Definitely the same thing as a personal got it, computer. Got it. Yeah, got it. You're Steve Jobs, juice man. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, there are 400 custom parts in here, Evans told Recode. There's a scanner. There's a microprocessor. There's a wireless chip, wireless antenna. In fundraising meetings, Evans promised a revolutionary machine capable of squeezing large chunks of fruits and vegetables, said two people who agreed to invest in the company. <laughs> Evans secured funding in 2014 by showing 3D printed renderings of the product without any working prototype, said the people who asked not to be identified because they signed non-disclosure agreements. Wow. Yeah, um, that's the only reason they asked not to be identified. Not because they got bilked out of billions of dollars by a juice machine that you can squeeze with your hands. <laughs> Um, so, no, no, I have to be anonymous. It's my lawyers are telling me so. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's not. It's not a burning shame at all. I, no, said, no. Not that. I signed an NDA. Uh, I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yes, I didn't need it. Well, where's the NDA? We'll look at it. We we'll said no. You can't see it. It's in Canada. <laughs> You've just scanned the barcode of it. You know. Yeah. So there's a uh, there's a second act to this uh, to this story. So that guy, the Evans guy, was the guy who invented it, and then he got pushed out 
of the company apparently before it went public and then he was replaced by this guy the steve uh, jobs of juicing got pushed out it's right yeah it's just like oh that steve, it's just like the movie steve jobs like he probably he's gonna find he's gonna he's gonna reconnect with his estranged daughter and she's gonna have like a picture of a juicer in her pocket that she drew and she's gonna that's gonna show how much she, she loved him all along yeah someone gets sorted on the phone yeah uh, <laughs> So then he got replaced by this guy, Jeff Dunn, who apparently uh, has been, he was like a, uh, a guy from Coca-Cola. And he's, you know, he's basically like the, the business dude. Who was the guy who came in in Silicon Valley? The um, Ned, Ned Ryerson? Oh, Jeff Daniels? Oh, no. You're talking about Stephen Tobolowsky. Yes. Character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I was back on uh, Steve Jobs. Yeah, he's like the non-evil Stephen Tobolowsky, like the corporate pro kind of guy. And he wrote a post on Medium uh, defending the product, um, which is pretty great. Um, <laughs> and here's part of that one. So when I saw this week's headlines about hacking and hand-squeezing produce packs, I had one overriding thought. We know hacking consumer products is nothing new, but how can we better de demonstrate the incredible value we know our connected system delivers? First, the press. Our connected press itself is critical to delivering a consistent, high-quality, and food-safe product because it provides, one, the first closed-loop food safety system that allows us to remotely, to remotely disable produce packs if there is, for example, a spinach recall. What? <laughs> he goes right to spinach recall. That's fantastic. Wait, how do they remotely... Because like you have to because you have to scan the barcode oh, of, your, of your astronaut so, juice on the press, and you can't press it. I mean, you could press it with your hands, but then you might get poison juice. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, now he's saying like you need my bulky yeah. hundred like multi hundred dollar equipment because it will prevent you like prevent like spinach poisoning. <laughs> it so prevents you, you from you the poison die, that might you be could die of spinach poisoning. <laughs> Uh, you know, it claims a lot more lives than he thinks. So. In these scenarios, yeah. we're able to protect our consumers in real time. Uh, two, consistent pressing of our produce packs calibrated by flavor to deliver the best combination of taste and nutrition every time. Oh, Jesus. Uh, three, connected data so we can manage a very tight supply chain because our product is live raw produce and has a limited lifespan of about eight days. Um, my question is... Like, why aren't they just selling bottles of cold-pressed juice? What's the difference? What's the difference between getting a space pack of juice and bottles of cold-pressed juice if it's going to go bad every eight days anyway? Oh, Joanna, you know? You, know, you, you know so little about business. I mean, obviously... <laughs> Summer child. Okay, yeah. <laughs> obviously, that is not scalable. And to be, to be a fully scalable, vertically integrated juice system, you need to go from the farm to the bag, to the table, and you have to control uh, each go, step of that process. You need to go from the farm to the bag to the $700 juicer that you have to buy. Uh, to you should probably buy, like, frequent software upgrades for, or yeah. there's, they're there's, like, yeah, we're giving a model, and they don't sell the old bags anymore, so your $700 juicer is worthless because the new bags are a different shape, and now you need the new juicer for the new bag. There's no question yeah. that there's going to be a lot of... Sorry, go ahead. Whatever the article, it looked like what they were saying is they're trying to do it like a Keurig setup where like you buy their big honking $700 thing so that way you're on the hook to keep buying their packets from them over and over and over again. Exactly. So that I guess that that's what Silicon Valley was all excited about. They oh, yeah. just want to like get their hooks in you and loop you in. But again, like why? 
what what kind of what kind of life are you living? You need a seven hundred dollar machine to make juice for you. Well, you're out there. You're selling. You're 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 out there selling. You got a busy life. You need to get your juice in you. Um, also, they did drop the price to four hundred dollars shortly after. Oh, a steal. Yeah, a steal. Um, oh. Here's I got to go back to this guy's medium post because it's, it's so okay. perfect. <laughs> Um, the value of juice row is more than a glass of cold pressed juice. Much more. The value is in how yeah, easy. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Instead of ten dollars for juice, you can pay four hundred plus bags. Uh, the value is in how easy it is for a frazzled dad to do something good for himself while getting the kids ready for school, without having to prep ingredients and clean a juicer. It's, it's in how the busy professional who needs more greens in her life gets app reminders to press produce packs before they expire so she doesn't oh waste God. the hard-earned money she's spent. Oh, my God. This is suddenly a Kevin James sitcom. This better be in, in like, like, Silicon Valley season five or whatever. Like, can you imagine, like, you know, what the, you know what a frazzled mom needs? She needs app reminders from us to remind her to drink the thing that she bought for us so she doesn't waste her money on the thing that she already bought from us. To be fair, frazzled moms are constantly dying of spoiled spinach. <laughs> They're not getting I mean, enough is... juice. There's, like, there's, a, there's a horrible, a horrible, horrible juice shortage uh, and juice deficiency in the frazzled mom demo. Oh, we yeah. all know frazzled that. Frazzled moms are forever coming down with like rickets and other things, you know? <laughs> Scurvy. Yes, yeah. I, I can't wait for like the third medium post where they're trying to explain this, where they literally say like, people get scurvy all the time. Juice is important. <laughs> if only if only the Royal Navy had had this when they were they were rounding the Cape of Good Hope, no one would What's have gotten What's weird is that like Silicon Valley would go for this when like Soylent is, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know a lot of people who drink Soylent, but I live in the Bay, well, Vince and I both live in the Bay Area. Uh, yeah, this whole Soylent thing where it's like, why why even like mess around with something that ever actually resembled food when you can just have like <laughs> <laughs> synthetic food stuffs? I, I don't know. I think the Let rest- me ask you this. Yeah. Is it, is how much funnier is this on a scale of one to ten because the product's called Juicero? <laughs> oh, uh, like, six. It's six funnier. Yeah, because like if the product <laughs> was called if the product was called like the Juice Xer three thousand, it wouldn't be that funny. But like Juicero, right? Sounds again sounds like the name of a product from Citadel. The only way it could be funnier if it was called the Juicero. <laughs> Juicero. Juicero reminds me of the Simpsons episode where they buy an SUV. Marge buys an SUV and it's called a Canyonero. Like Canyonero. It's, it's like yeah. a Canyonero for your kitchen. There's the tagline. There you go. They can jack the price back up to 450 bucks now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so his last that was his last example of of why of the added value in uh, in the Juicero machine, and uh, he finishes that by saying, "These are just a few examples of the value that Juicero system offers, and we're just getting started. The sum of the system, the press, produce packs, and apps working together is what enables a great experience. However, you won't experience that value by hand squeezing produce packs, which, to be clear, contain nothing but fresh, raw, organic, chopped produce, not juice." What you will get with hand squeeze packs is a mediocre and very messy experience that you won't want to repeat once, let alone every day. God. I need to so, just go buy a juice at the store. 
I, yeah. Oh, I'm going to keep. Not if you're a frazzled mom. God. <laughs> Dude, they don't have time to do stuff unless they get an app reminder. <laughs> an app. Can you imagine living a life where, like, literally, you get an app reminder to put your juice pack in your $400 juice machine. And then, <laughs> and as it goes off, it thinks you to tell you the spinach has gone bad. Yeah, the app reminder's like, your kale goo is about to expire. <laughs> You need to express yeah. it immediately. I mean, when you when you get the app reminders about your skin, spinach, you're like, oh man, I am living in the future right now. This is what I always dreamed of: uh, flying in cars, real time, <laughs> automated spinach. See, some some frazzled mom pulled over to the side of the road. The cop goes like, "What's the matter?" She goes, holds up her app reminder, is like, "The mango is expiring. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get home." Yeah. This reminds me of uh, when I was in Dubai in my hotel. Uh, like it was a fancy hotel. It was with, very casual, by yeah, the way. Yeah. This reminds me when I was in Dubai. Yeah. Um, you know, they had the whole automated hotel because it's all very new and fancy. You want to feel like you're living in the future. So like all the lights uh, in the hotel room, they're not on switches. They're all in this in this like one touch screen display in the corner. And there's like little icons that try to uh, wordlessly uh, depict using uh, hieroglyphic type things of where each light button is. Um, so it took me about like four days of a seven day trip to figure out how to, to know which like which little icon went with what light. So like instead of just going into your bathroom and flipping the switch that's next to the toilet when you want to pee and not in the dark, you had to like memorize a whole new uh, interface design. And I think that that is the future is that you have to memorize a new interface design for every single product that you use. Mm. That's, that's I'm entirely too old for that. That's the, that's the future that Silicon Valley wants, I think. I'll just pee in the tub. <laughs> There's also that. Well, you guys, um, do you have I'm any? Really glad we. I'm really glad we ended with. I'm just gonna pee in the tub. <laughs> yeah, that'll help. It seems. It seems apt. Uh, do we have any final thoughts on on F F eight F eightyus? Um, can we call a moratorium on um, cinematic hacking battles? Yes. Oh God. Where it's like, oh, Nothing... they hacked the sink. Yeah, nothing is worse than watching someone furiously type and then occasionally quip. Like, sorry, Charlene. Like, Charlene's sold the hell out of her, like, crocodile by the Oasis monologue, which was bonkers insane. <laughs> but uh, the hacking, not even Charlize can can save that. Okay. And let alone, you know, Natalie and Emmanuel. So. Okay, I got a pitch for you. In the next one, uh, Charlize Theron hacks people's juiceros uh, to change the <laughs> expiration date. Like she pushes the expiration date like a week back, and that way, like millions of frazzled moms don't get the reminder that their juice is going bad. Oh my God! Is she trying to wipe out? She's trying to poison the entire frazzled mom population. Yeah, you don't have to poison the drinking water anymore. You just hack their juiceros. <laughs> just hack the juiceros. Hack their it's juiceros. Like, it's like hack the planet, only it's hack the juicero. Yeah, I'll watch it. Well, first juicero. That's serious nine. Hack the juicero. <laughs> wild, wild speed mega juice. <laughs> wild <laughs> speed, wild speed mega max poison juice. I'm all in on this as long as we can see the rock in a computer just because I want to see what it looks like when he types with those <laughs> oh big muscle fingers. Oh, the keys must be too tiny for him. Like a, like a tiny, tiny MacBook. 
He's probably got one of those tough books. Like, well, remember those where they like they had yeah. like the construction guy and he would like drop it while he was like tossing bricks around. I want I want the rock on a blackberry, like the tiniest. <laughs> uh, all right, you guys, um, give me give me a final plug before we before we before we depart ways here. Uh, where can we, you go first? Where can we find you? Oh. Listen, guys, I write on a website called VanityFair.com, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This, and you can listen to me on other podcasts like Storm of Spoilers, Gen Pop, or Little Gold Men. And I'm Brian Grubb. I write on Uproxx. I also do a podcast now with Alan Seppenwall called, the T- called TV Avalanche, where we discuss uh, all sorts of TV shows, some of which are good, some of which are very much not so. You can find me on Twitter at Brian C. Grubb if you want to hear me or see me uh rant about various heists and robberies that have taken place in the world. And his name's not Danger Guerrero anymore, so stop calling him that, okay? Yeah, Vince. Yeah. All right, thanks, you guys.